and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. I hope you had a lovely and safe Halloween on Monday. I know I did. As a pagan, I do celebrate Sone, so it was a lovely holiday to reconnect with relatives who have passed and enjoy some usual spooky activities with my friends and family too. I did post my costume on Twitter, and I was immensely proud of it, and I won my competition at work, but by default, as I work in finance and no one else dressed up, so that was quite embarrassing. But the costume was great, so it paid off. Also, apologies, you could probably guess, but the late publishing of this episode is due to the fact that I caught a horrendous cold after Halloween, so I actually took some time to relax, recover, and I just didn't have the energy to write or record this, so I'm actually recording this on Saturday the 5th, which is way beyond the Thursday the 3rd that was meant to be the release date, but I took some actual time to recover, I just couldn't do it. I am back. I do still sound rubbish though, so please bear with me. Anyway, our monster, and that's in the most ambiguous terms this week, is something so different to what we usually do, and actually something we've tried to stay away from actively. We are looking at the wonderful deity Santa Muerte from Mexican folklore this week. So if you're a long-term listener, you'll know that I always try to avoid gods, goddesses, because of potentially insulting people, But this one is kind of slightly different, so I thought we could give it a go in possibly the most respectful way I have ever covered a monster. Santa Muerte is a deity of death from Central America, but has kind of expanded outside of these borders too to North America. She generally appears as a skeletal female figure, wearing a long robe of usually a red, but can come in any colour, with a hood over her skull coated in long black hair, topped with flowers. She's usually seen holding a scythe and a globe or orb in her hands, representing all that she actually represents. She is also usually associated with flowers, candles and remembrance, so it's naturally quite easy to associate this deity with the Mexican celebration of Dia de los Muertos, but actually she's not immensely linked to this event as you would expect. She is defined as the folk personification of death and is associated with the powers of healing, protection, financial well-being and the path to the afterlife. She's one of many in Latin America, but she is the only female saint of death. There is actually a male counterpart called San La Muerte and they look very similar, but you can tell it's Santa Muerte by her long flowing hair, which is pretty wild considering she has no skin for it to grow out of. The hair was actually added later to her appearance, but she was never given a, so to say, womanly figure to her skeletal body, so it was originally quite tricky to tell the two apart. Now it's quite easy. She was never really considered a living human, although she does appear in a skeletal human form. According to legends, she was and always has been a skeletal woman, rather than an ascension from a human woman, which definitely makes her more spooky in my view. She is from birth, a skeleton. She's usually seen carrying those two objects I mentioned earlier, that's the globe and the scythe. 
The scythe represents her origins as the Spanish Grim Reaper, or La Parca, which certainly makes sense with the invasion of the Spanish into Mexico, but it can also represent a cutter of the thread of fate, or the moment of death, much like the fates of Greek mythology. She is said to hold out the silver thread of life, and cut this with the scythe in order to end it. The scythe is long-handled, much like the Grim Reaper in most modern Western adaptations, indicating that it has a long reach and is able to be used anywhere in the world. In modern worship, it can represent the ending of negative influences or energies, and people can be seen worshipping within bad situations to cut these off in their lives. However, the most literal way, a scythe is also used as a farming tool in order to reap harvest, so she can very much be seen as a sign of prosperity, hope and success especially with farming. The globe, however, represents death's power and dominion over the earth, with her knowing that everything must die, and the circle of life begins and ends with death, making her and the other death gods very powerful deities. However, she is also associated with other objects which all symbolise different things, such as an hourglass, scales, an owl, and an oil lamp. An hourglass is pretty obvious, but it represents time of life, and the thought that death is not the end, but a fresh beginning. The hourglass can also represent Santa Muerte's relationship with time, as well as the worlds above and below. The scales indicate justice, equality and impartiality. Owls are always a sign of wisdom, but they also have the power to see in the dark and act as messengers within that darkness within mythology. And lastly, the lamp symbolises intelligence and a light to navigate the way through the darkness and to light the way for others. Owls are actually really important within Mesoamerican culture as well, due to the association with death deities throughout this location's history. Mitlán de Cluti is one of the Aztec gods of death and is also associated very heavily with this animal. We will talk about how the Aztecs and Santa Muerte mix together more later, but it is good to note that Santa Muerte is believed to be extremely jealous, and so her image is never to be placed next to other deities or saints, or there will be consequences to the worshipper. Okay, so on to etymology. Anyone who speaks Spanish can tell you that her name very literally means Saint Death or Holy Death. So this one is pretty simple. However, she does have many other names such as Santisma Muerte or Most Holy Death, the Godmother or La Mandrina, Senora de las Sombras, Lady of Shadows, Senora Blanca, White Lady, Senora Negra, Black Lady, Santa Sebastiana, Holy Sebastian, or Dona Bella Sebastiana, Beautiful Lady Sebastian, and La Flaca, the Skinny Woman. So you can see all of her names do link back to this idea of sainthood, womanhood, and her appearance sometimes as a skeleton. I will also say my Spanish is quite good. I'm quite impressed with myself here. <laughs> In regards to her history though, it's certainly an odd one. This one does go back all the way to the Aztecs. And we've not really covered the Aztecs much on the podcast. And there is a very good reason for this. It is weird when you think of the popularity and the fame of the Aztec civilization. Especially like for me growing up in the British school system, we learn about the Aztecs as a civilization. They are quite big. But the reason I don't cover them very often is because actually 
they don't have many monsters, and actually most of the mythology around the Aztecs and their gods are around their gods and their practices. There aren't really many monsters to talk about, and so I'm trying to keep them for a good occasion, and I'm trying to make sure that I kind of share them out throughout the history of the podcast. Otherwise, we'll just get a whole chunk of Aztec ones and then we'll never hear from the Aztecs again. So Santa Muerte can kind of come under this mythos, so I am glad we finally get to touch on them. I know that I am definitely going to cover one next year, but they are a really interesting culture. They were around between 1300 and 1521. Whilst most people do think they are a very ancient culture, they are much more modern than we do think. There were Aztecs when Henry VIII was on the British throne, just before the Elizabethan era, so they are really a lot more modern than you might think. Anyway, this civilization had their own mythology, culture, languages, gods, money, all of that, and they were a pretty mighty force to go up against. But in 1521, they were invaded by the Spanish, and in the early 1800s, the civilization was fully abolished, making way for the modern Mexican culture that we have today. But how does this relate to our subject? Well, they also, as I said, had their own gods and mythology. And the Aztecs had gods for literally everything. Tattoos, snakes, crocodiles, knives, just to name a few. But honestly, if you are curious about the Aztec gods and don't want a crazy look into them, you can have a look at The Wonderful Maya and the Three, which is a series on Netflix. It's got a really good representation of Aztec mythology within it and a really great cast. Or if you're English, they cover it really well on Horrible Histories. So very much advise this if you want a taste of Aztec mythology. But they had multiple gods of death, all of which ruled over different aspects of death itself. One of these, and I will be careful with my pronunciations, they are notoriously hard to say, was Miklandakuti, which was the Aztec god of the dead and king of the underworld, which was called Miklan. Most importantly though, to our subject is his wife, which is sometimes considered a part of himself, but her name was Miktakasivasl, meaning Lady of the Dead. Her role in the underworld was to look after the bones of the dead and guide any festivals of the dead in the living world. But if you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, I see similarities between these two deities, but they're not exactly lining up. So after the abolishment of the Aztecs, the worshipping of the dead did not finish, as we know from the continued celebration of Dia de los Muertos. Apparently, indigenous people would tie up skeletal figures who they called Santa Muerte, and threatened it with lashings if it did not perform miracles or grant their wishes. Speaking of Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, this is one of the main celebrations that Mictacasivasl would look over. It's celebrated every year to this day on November 2nd, so actually this episode comes out at the perfect time for this. During these celebrations, families go to cemeteries to sing and pray for friends and family members who have died, they leave offerings of food, and children eat chocolate and candy in the shape of skulls, which is where the term sugar skull comes from. Also a good note here following up from Halloween, the sugar skull and Dia de los Muertos face painting is also something that's super embraced for this holiday within Mexican culture, and to dress up like this for Halloween is utterly disrespectful. Remember here, if it belongs to a culture, it is not a costume. Thank you. PSA out. 
In more modern times, though, in the 20th century, the movement behind Santa Muerte kicked off again. However, it was often met with violence and desecration of vigils. But Jose Guadalupe Posada, who was a political artist of the time, created a similar death deity called Katrina, a feminine skeleton who was dressed in quite fancy clothing of the time, in order to escape this desecration. Although he did this mostly to represent an unequal society within his work, and that death was the ultimate equaliser. Eventually though, the image was warped into the popular image for Dia de los Muertos, to have hair and fancy robes, which was very appealing to tourists, and created an image of Mexican identity. It became a full-on movement in 1998 when a Mexican gangster was found with a shrine dedicated to Santa Muerte in his house, and the movement gathered even more momentum by 2001, with 5% of the Mexican population believing in her. By the late 2000s, she was the second most popular saint in Mexico behind St. Jude, and it's now considered one of the fastest growing religious movements in the world, with 10 to 12 million followers in the Americas. There's a very big link to this saint and the Catholic Church too, which makes her considerably more interesting than normal deities in a modern sense. She is very much condemned by the Catholic Church, due to followers of the religion often mixing Santa Muerte into worship, which is massively against one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not worship false idols. However, some Catholics even convert to her neo-paganism worship and create altars for her, usually at home or in local stores and gathering spaces. The Pope even condemned the worship of her back in 2016 when he visited Mexico, and both Catholic and Protestant churches in Latin America sometimes condemn the worship as satanic, trickery or black magic. She, of course, is considered a folk deity, so it's very much linked to modern paganism paths, and it's very much dismissed under the Christian religions. But this does lead to some of the good that comes out of this worship too. She's very often linked with marginalised groups, including those of poorer backgrounds, working class, sex workers, and those with criminal backgrounds. However, she is most famously linked to gang members and prisoners in modern media, with shrines within American prisons being extremely common. This comes from the idea that Christianity often turns their back to this part of society, although the ideology of this religion certainly says otherwise, and so these people have created a religion of their own, which reflects their values and protects them in their ways of living, which I think is fantastic. On this same topic, she's actually a massive symbol of LGBTQ+, and she is revered as the saint of this group in Mexican culture, Many LGBTQ plus people ask for her protection from violence, hatred, disease, and to help them in their search for love. Her blessing is often asked for in same-sex marriages in Mexico, and the Inglesa Católica Tradicional Mexico Estados Unidos, or the Church of Santa Muerte, recognizes gay marriage and performs religious wedding ceremonies for homosexual couples in her name. It's a really happy ending, I think it's a fantastic thing to do. Now, on to modern media, there's not really much going on this week in terms of Santa Muerte individually, but I think we can kind of talk about kind, deathly figures, which I think fits into her narrative. But for art, oh my goodness, please look up the independent art around this deity. She's usually depicted, although as a skeleton, so beautifully, and independent art from these areas where she is mostly worshipped is just incredible. 
I really like the kind of tarot card design that she has going around, but I really do recommend having a look at independent stuff for this one. Now, in movies, specifically for Santa Muerte, we have The Book of Life, which is a gorgeous depiction of her, but she's called La Muerte instead. In other friendly death movies, we have The Halloween Tree, Spirited Away, Watership Down, Jacob's Ladder, A Prairie Home Companion, The Seventh Seal, Monkey Bone, The Sunset Limited, Click, The Mod Todd, The Lady and the Reaper, All That Jazz, Death Takes a Holiday, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and Love and Death. For TV, for Santa Muerte herself, we have Breaking Bad, Fear the Walking Dead, and Maya and the Three. And for others, The Sandman, Guardian the Lonely and the Great God, Grimm, Sinigami-kun, The Twilight Zone, Touched by an Angel, Dead Like Me, Supernatural, Married with Children, NCIS, Mysterious Ways, Charmed, Horrible Histories, American Horror Story Asylum, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Lucifer, Xena Warrior Princess, Moon Knight, Guiding Light, Family Guy, Frankenhole, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, The Simpsons, and The Siffy and Ollie Show. In video games, we have ones such as Tom Clancy's Recon Wildlands for Santa Muerte content herself. This really does focus on the cartel slash criminality aspect of her worship. Then we have Fate slash Grand Order, Brawlhalla, Bad Fur Day, Adventure Quest, Death Junior, Death and Taxes, Grim Fandango, Guild Wars, Hades, Hatoful Boyfriend, Hitman, Incursion, Jade Empire, League of Legends, Majesty, Let It Die, Never Winter Nights, Maximo Goes to Glory, Manuel Samuel, Napletail, Nocturne in Yellow, Persona 3, Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth, RuneScape, Riddles of Fate, Memento Mori, The Sims, Shin Megami Tensei 4, Spiritfarer, Two Who Project, Vega Strike, The Wonderful 101, The World Ends With You, Soul Nomad and The World Eaters, and Tales from the Reaper. My book recommendation this week is Devoted to Death, Santa Muerte, The Skeleton Saint by Andrew R. Chestnut, which talks about the phenomenon of the Santa Muerte worship within the Americas. This author is also one of the leading experts on Santa Muerte 2 and folk deities, so it's definitely a super interesting and deeply intellectual read about her and other deities like her. So I really recommend this book, to be honest, but it is quite hardcore, just a warning. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Well, this is a tricky one because she is, in theory, a god and a deity, so it's not up to me to decide whether she exists or not. I think if belief is in the followers of that faith, then she exists within their faith, and she doesn't need to exist within any others at all. I can tell you, though, of my experience in finding out about Santa Muerte. I didn't really know much about her, but I found her really fascinating when she was in one of my favourite movies, The Book of Life. She is depicted as this beautiful De Los Muertos-style skeleton with a gorgeous hat made of candles, the embodiment of life, but also a death goddess. I loved her so much as a character, so I'm really happy we got to cover her, even if this podcast is called Myth Monsters. I can happily say she is definitely not a monster. But what do you think? Do you follow the belief in Santa Muerte or have any experiences with her? I would love to know. Please tell me on Twitter. But what a wonderful change to this week, especially after a special last week too. 
it was really nice to liven us all up again after such a spooky time, with still a spooky kind of episode. Anyhow, I'm still unsure on whether I should cover usual deities. It does mean that my Egyptian list is much smaller than you may think monster-wise, but we will see. Do you want to see more, or should I leave it to other mythology podcasters? Please do let me know. But next week, we're crossing the border and heading up to the US for the fabulous native creature. You might know this one from Totem Poles, but get your rain boots ready for the fabulous Thunderbird from Native American Folklore next Thursday. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, sheds with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes. <laughs>